0: You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. All right, good morning. <clears throat> it's good to see you here this morning and again, I, as I as I said in the prayer, I pray so much that God would deliver this word this morning with the same gentleness and the same touch of, of our hearts and our minds as I believe he intends. Because it is, it is a challenging word. It's not hard, it's not harsh, but it, it is a word that can absolutely get in your face. So I just ask you to, uh, to let the Holy Spirit in this do what the Holy Spirit does. If you would, go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to begin there. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I'll begin with, with verse 9. Paul, writing to the this, this second letter to his young friend Timothy, writes, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me. Having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. So he's alone. In this moment in Scripture, Paul was addressing again this young pastor and asking him to come quickly, as quickly as he possibly could, because Demas had forsaken him. And forsaken in Greek is a verb that means that Paul was completely abandoned and left helpless. So it's a significant word that this is where Paul finds himself. So we generally kind of get stuck, and in, in our, in our culture speaks to this problem, but we generally get stuck in this passage by trying to assess whether or not Paul was justified in his scorn and his open judgment of Demas again, that's become very normal for for the person who holds the position of God, for the person who expresses a thought or a characteristic or a quality of God to become the one who is questioned. I don't know if you saw last week, uh, but uh, in the news where Drew Brees, because uh, the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints was in... in put put pressure on him scorn toward him because of his affiliation with uh, focus on the family and just this open disdain for him because of that association and again we find ourselves in this in this place where someone who holds the value in the heart of God is the one discredited in protection of the one who in his case, that, that they were, thought he was speaking against. So again, we're seeing this very much, and we get stuck there trying to assess whether Paul was right and fair in this assessment of Demas. According to Philemon 1.24 and Colossians 4.14, Demas had been listed there as a fellow worker in the gospel ministry. It seems that Demas was with Paul when he was facing the death sentence in Rome, both in his first imprisonment and shortly even, possibly, when he was with Paul in his second. So he had been there a while. He had walked with Paul. He had seen the miraculous. He had heard the voice of God with Paul. I don't know how you could have missed it to be there as Paul shared his testimony of what happened to him on the road to Damascus, to hear and see and watch and be, be evident around him what God had done. But we find this particular moment that Demas chose the world. Let me read that again. For Demas has, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. I want to pick up this same conversation, but I want us to go to 1 John chapter 2. If you'd go there with me, or you can follow overhead uh, in the Scripture that's, that's there. There's a major principle here that we need to hear, and then hopefully in the hearing, we'll believe and let this principle transform our lives because God has a great desire today Not for you just to be present. He has the desire by truth to transform your life, to set you free. If something is broken, to heal it. If something is lost, to find it. He's here this morning to bring a principle, to bring a truth that will not just be interesting or fascinating. Are or long, or, be, or boring, are or tedious, but to transform us with this truth. So there's a principle found here, and hopefully hearing it, it will do exactly that. The, the book of First John is a message written to believers. It states in chapter 2, verse 1, not, it's not up there, but it says, My little children... These things I write unto you that you sin not and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So we're not confused that he's writing here to believers. He's writing to those who have taken that step and are saved. It was given to us as a means by which we could understand how to to have this intimacy with God. And also as a warning on how to lose it but Paul is uh, is writing this letter to bring encouragement to this young pastor about how to maintain this intimacy and he's using it you know he he, he's encouraging him telling him showing him how to live in this intimacy so I want us to go to first John chapter two and I'll begin reading in verse 15. The gospel message here says, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, I want everybody to stop whatever their mind is working on, whoever they're looking at, whatever they're thinking about, about what they need to do or lunch or whatever's going on. I need for you, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. I want you to notice that there is no third category. There is no exception. Let the world, I mean, sorry, love the world or love the Father. Two categories. Not three. Not some gray area in between. Love the Father or love the world. Let me read that scripture again. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world... The love of the Father is not in him. So we need to start understanding this with the definition of the word world. That'll help us get clear on what what is being described here. The Greek word for world, again, is cosmos. It can mean everything as it does here from the world itself in its physical created form, the earth itself, the globe. It can go all the way there to what he says, neither the things that are in the world. So it goes from there to this whole circle of earthly goods, endowments and riches, advantages and pleasures, which although are hollow and frail and fleeting, still stir this desire and seduce us from God and become obstacles to the cause of God. But it's The the world in its best definition here is a system. As a system helps us to gain an understanding because for our purpose today, we're going to describe the world by this definition. It's going to be real simple. The world is, is that organized system led by Satan that by absolute intent leaves God out. Okay, we're, we're going to go with that definition of world. It's a system, an organized system led by Satan that by a specific intention will leave God out. Now a system, the reason I use that is because it helps us to understand what Satan's intent is and his purpose. If I talk to you about a financial system I'm going to talk to you about money, but that money is the hub. It's gonna have many spokes coming into it. I'm gonna be talking about banking. I'll talk about personal budgets. I'll talk about the stock market because all of that financial system is around a hub of money, but with, but with many, many spokes. If I talk to you about an educational system, I'll talk about the transfer of knowledge from one person to the other, but with many spokes. I'll talk about textbooks, I'll talk about classrooms, I'll talk about homes, I'll talk about many ways that form an educational system. If I'm speaking of a healthcare system, I'll talk about the care of patients, but with many spokes, hospitals and insurance and all the things that touch that that middle, that hub. If I talk about a world system, that's being talked about here. If I, if I understand a world system, I'm talking about as the hub leaving God out. That's the hub of a world system. That's the primary thing in a system that Satan leads and that is, that is organized with many spokes that come into that common hub. Many, many things touching this hub of leaving God out. I want us to get that because when we talk about Demas back when Paul writes about it, or in this in 1 John, in this gospel that is being captured here, this message being captured here, Paul is saying Demas chose the world system that left God out. He's saying here in, in, in this chapter two of 1 John verse 15, love not the world, love not those things that leave God out. Now we we can sit here and say that's I get it, Randy, that's talking out here. That's talking about about decisions that are made, but I want us to understand something. That when we At any point, in any situation, leave God out. When we start assessing others and we don't allow the Holy Spirit to bring who that person is to us and I simply start judging them by their actions instead of saying, God, by their actions, show me who they are because what God may show me is that someone is overwhelmed, someone is insecure, someone is in need. God may show me a who that drastically changes my heart. I hope it would if I'm aggravated at somebody and I look at what's aggravating me and I'm trying to deal with that, but then I stop long enough to let let God, I'm not gonna leave him out because that's the world system. That's the way the world acts. The world judges behavior and, and, and and gives the judgment. But if I include God in it, If I include the Holy Spirit in it and I don't leave him out and I say, God, what am I looking at here? I get to see someone and I hope if we recognize that this person is overwhelmed, I hope our frustration turns to compassion. I would hope that that would be the result of including God that we would be people of real kindness and goodness because we see what the world can't see because the world will by its nature leave God out. So it's not just this big equation of of what we see in the news or what we see in the government and all these places where it seems like God is being left out. I can't address all that this morning. But the tenderness of what God is saying is how often in our own life, equation by equation, moment by moment, we simply leave him out. And in that moment, we do do exactly what Demas did. We loved the world. This This is what John is writing. Love not the world, neither those things that are in the world. If any man loves that world that leaves God out, do you recognize how he could so easily then say, if I love the world that leaves him out, then the love of the Father is not in him. No two categories. Again, since this is written to believers, there's something we need to know here. This is recognizing that as a believer, I have and can maintain or retain my legal Legal, put, mark that down, I can maintain or retain my legal relationship with God. That, re, that legal relationship that began when he adopted me, that's a legal relationship. But while I can maintain and retain that legal relationship, I can lose the intimate experiential relationship that I have with God. Still a child. But I don't know the love of the Father. I don't know His heart. I don't know His kindness toward me. And Why this message this morning? Because if we would be honest with ourselves, many of us are sitting here today knowing I've got a legal relationship with God because I was, I'm saved and He adopted me. But our testimony would be, if we would be honest, is I have somewhere lost this intimate, experiential relationship with that God who saved me. I don't have it. I'm glad to know that that in a legal system, I'm saved. I'm his and I I will end up in heaven. But God had so much more planned for us and promised to us than just an eternity that we can go to someday. He wants us to know it right now. I I will state to you, absolutely, I don't believe that you can lose your salvation once you've been truly born again. But as chapter 1 makes clear, 1 John chapter 1, you can certainly lose your fellowship with God. You can lose your encounter. You can lose that loving experience with God who saved you. Loving the world will cause us to be drawn away from God's presence. Loving the world will cause us to be drawn away from God's love. Loving the world will cause us to be drawn away from his will for our lives. We won't even know what it is. Now you get to determine, I guess in your own mind right now, what it means to leave God out. Maybe you come up with your own criteria and maybe in that criteria you can justify some of the things you're doing. Maybe it's okay if I do this. Maybe it's okay if I do this. Maybe if I, it's okay if I do this. Ask yourself. Just, it's a simple question. Does it match the, the value system of the world or does it match the heart of God? It's not hard. It's not hard to do. When I'm doing those things that, uh, that the world loves to do, it's not hard to figure out which world is you're loving. Our decisions each day, little ones, Each day we'll make very, very bold announcements of which world we love. You know that? Small decisions will make big announcements about which God we love. How I treat someone, whether they see a smile on my face, see joy in my heart, see kindness in my hands, see peace in my words, I will in all those ways make an announcement about which world I love. My frustration, my bitterness, my anger, my being short with people, my ignoring people will make the same announcement. It will tell which world we love. We choose moment by moment which purpose we will follow. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 1, the great purpose of Jesus' sacrifice. He gave himself that he might deliver us from this present world. Listen to the verse. This is Galatians 1, 4. Jesus, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, the world that leaves God out, according to the will of God and our Father. He died to separate us from a world that leaves God out. Why would he do it? Because he knows what it means to to live in the world where God lives, where he's not left out. He knows, Paul is talking about it. The, The writer of John is talking about it. He's telling us, don't love the world. It's a broken place. Don't love the world. It will leave you empty. Don't love the world. I'm not telling you because I'm petty. I'm not telling you because... Because I'm jealous. He said, I'm telling you. Because if you choose this world where God is, then you will find things there that you could not find. You'll find loving a neighbor. You'll find peace in your home. You'll find contentment. Even if you can't find peace in your home, you can find contentment inside me, peace inside me, while the storm is still raging. That's what he brings. He's a father. He knows where we're going. By vision, he can show us. He can build anticipation into all that is coming in a world where we let God be God. The world that he died to save us from is cold and is heartless. I speak often and I ponder even more often Why so few people actually experience in a real, personal, intimate, dynamic way the manifest presence of God? Why so few? Why so few believers having experiences with God, building a personal history of those things that God has done, prayers answered, questions resolved, blessing upon blessing, how, what, How come there are so few that have those real very moments? His reality with us. Why are there so few? I believe it's because those individuals still want to hang on to some portion of the world. Some portion of a world that by its nature excludes God. You see, we weren't designed very well To straddle that line with one foot in that world that excludes him and one foot in the world that loves him. We're not designed very well to stand in that place. There will be an an enticing love to draw you in deeper or an enticing bitterness, sadness, sin that will draw you deeper the other. We're not, we're not, we don't stand well. Again, it's demonstrated by the decisions. To leave God, the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, out of any equation. Any equation. Again, I wish I could just stop long enough to just give example after example of how he's so often left out. And we and we find ourselves in a world where we just excluded him day by day. We've excluded him. We don't even think about it. We we have come so far. In it, that we don't even realize that the the closeness that we're talking about is gone. So the question is do we really want that closeness with God upon which we speak and sing? We just sing about it. More of you. The more I want you, the more I know you, the more I know you, the more I love you. Do we really want that? Do we want answers to prayers that we seek? Or do we want the world? It's not a hard equation. Do I include him or exclude him? So before we leave this conversation, this question this morning, I want to go to one more verse because this is kind of the cap on this message. James 4.4. 4. <clears throat> We're studying James on Wednesday night. I don't know how it's going for anyone else, but I, I love the study of James. James 4, 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Let me read that again. Know ye not that the friendship of the world, the place that excludes God, is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God? It's not complacent anymore. It's not benign anymore. It's if you love the world, James says that you are at odds with God. Made very clear in John 1 2.16, where we just were, for all the for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, it's of the world. Back to James 4. Tell us, it tells us that as children of God, we can not only miss the experience with God, but are in perpetual battle with God. This may be hard to believe. You may not agree with me, and I'm okay with that. But I find very few people, and I'm talking believers here, very few people who are not in some some version having a perpetual battle with God. Most people I know are in some version of a battle, a perpetual battle with God. And again, the most unfortunate of all, however, is the believer who has been at battle with God so long, has loved this present world so often in each of those equations, has openly decided to leave the Holy Spirit out has grown intolerant of spiritual truth has openly accepted perspectives and opinions that clearly demonstrate that choice that I want to leave God out and don't even know that they have that they have so dismissed him that they don't even know that the love of God is not in them that they have been in this position of choosing the world so long by accepting marginal truth by leaving him out so often in big things and in small things and have accepted perspectives that that the world is offering somehow that we can be Christians without the Holy Spirit and we bought into that. The saddest part is that we don't know that we have so dismissed him that the love of God is not in us. But this is the moment of examination. Because the love of God is going to produce something in you. The love of God is going to produce the life you now live. It's going to produce a reality of a father who leads us instead of just one who cleans up the messes behind us. It's going to, it's going to tell us the love of God is going to be so such a reminder that that perfect love actually cast out fear. That the love of God is going to produce a life that's going to show on my face. It's going to be recognized in my voice. It's going to, it's going to be seen by what my hands do, where my feet go. It's going to, it's going to show because my mind will stay on eternal things and, and, and the things of the world will become more dim to me all the time. I will value them less as I begin to value those things that are eternal and whose value never decreases. Which world are we choosing? We don't know the details of Demas' situation, but it's evident that Demas decided that what Satan had to offer in this life is better than what God had to offer in the next. There is no account of his restoration. There is no account of him coming back. There is no account of any type of recovery. The tragedy of Demas is still being lived out today by those who choose a world system that leaves God out. How many people could we say about as as Paul did to 2 Timothy, I am alone because... The person I thought that was going to be there has somehow valued the world we can look around here we can look around families we can look around anywhere and recognize that there were people who were once here expressing this love of God and we could say without any judgment I don't have to make any judgment about it but they chose this present world as Demas did Again, there's this hub of Satan's system to leave God out. Ask yourself, which world am I valuing based on that one simple definition? The spokes of that wheel around that hub of leaving God out make their way deep into many obvious places. However, the most unfortunate place Where those spokes go is into the church itself. Because most, I'll take that back. I will say at least many churches have chosen to leave God out. You can tell because the programs are their programs. The agenda is their agenda. The money is their money to determine where it goes. Their talent is directed the way they want to see the talent directed. Equation by equation, they're leaving God out. They won't let the Holy Spirit work in any kind of congregational setting because it might upset somebody. Because we have to be pleasing in here to make sure that the person who's lost isn't uncomfortable when they come into the place where they should be the most uncomfortable. I don't know how in the, anywhere that the things of God would ever make a sinner comfortable. Accepted maybe, comfortable no, because the comforter is going to be real busy making sure that doesn't happen. We profess to love God and exclude him day by day. I can speak to this most presently about being a pastor because that's that's the role and the call that God has on my life right now. But I know this is true also in many professions and many callings. We want the world to lock us. You know that? We want the world to lock us. We want the world to accept us. We want the world to accept us. That place... Satan doesn't want us to live in the world. That's not his point. What does he want? He wants us to love this present world. not Because we're going to live in this world. The question is, who do I love? Because Satan doesn't, he's not trying to just get us to live in it. He's trying to get us to love it. That's why the warnings are, don't love the world. We want them to embrace us. We want to be liked by them. We want to be loved by them. We want to be accepted by them. We want to be embraced by them. The world. And I I recognize why. It's amazing what pastors do. The one role I can talk about and step on on my toes only, but it's amazing what pastors do trying to get the world to like them, to be appealing, to adjust so that they don't offend someone by the truth that God has given them to speak. So we do this, wanting that, all the while they willingly choose to leave God out while we're seeking their favor. Does this sound like a strange equation? That we're seeking the approval of those who by their intention are leaving God out, the world. Verse 17 of 1 John 2, and the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Which world do you love? It's not hard to measure. Do I live in a world that says to the Father, I never want to leave you out. I never want there to be an equation where you're not in the middle of it. I want you to determine what messages I preach, What I say when I'm greeting somebody, I want want you to come forth through me so that people can know by the look on my face that I love you and not this present world. I want my heart to show it. I want the laughter to tell it. I want the goodness to put it on display, not my goodness, Father, your goodness flowing through me. Let it put on display that I love you, not this present world. I don't want Demas' testimony. I want that of Paul. I want those words to be said to me someday. Well done. Good, faithful, loving child. I want those words. I don't know how to do that. If equation moment by moment, I choose to leave him out. Father, this, in, this, in this moment, only you can teach anymore. You, you now, Father, can take that which you have already said and let it move heart by heart, life by life, tenderly, lovingly, kindly, expressing who you are holding up a mirror in front of our faces so that we can see which world we love. Do I value, Father, what you value? Do I love what you love? Do I care about those things that you care about? Or is my time, my energy, my life given to the things that the world loves? Father, just do now in in each life what only you can do. Show us, Father which world we love. And if we, if we find ourselves in this world where we can just say, Father, I want to live in this world where you are always my Father. You are always Lord of my life. You are always my Savior. I want you there always. I want to see others the way you see them, Father. Then let's celebrate that in worship. But if God shows you glimpses Of loving the world. This is the moment when we change our mind and say, Father, thank you for showing me where my eyes have been, where my heart has been, where my feet have gone. Father, thank you in this moment for showing me so that I can change my mind. And from this moment, live in in front of me the life that says, Father, I will always I will always in all things value you, my Father, my Saviour, my Redeemer, my friend, more than this present world. Father, do now what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.